Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host from Stormy, Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter, and with me as always is Jazzy, James Haldeman. How's the weather in Berkeley, bud? It's a little foggy, but it's always foggy in the morning, so it'll eventually be beautiful and unstormy here. We got a little bit of early wake-up call this morning, man. I'm, I, if I was the type of guy that drank coffee, I'd make a bad joke about how I haven't got to have my coffee yet. It's, <laughs> I woke up at 5.45 to do this. We're doing good. Did you get to go to the to the range this morning if it's uh, storming there in Houston? I, I did not. I will uh, probably try to go tomorrow, even though uh, most of my guys are teeing off tomorrow, but I will, I will try to make it tomorrow. Just try, you know, we're all just out here trying to get better, working our games. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. I'm playing Friday, so Friday afternoon, so I'm pretty excited. Nice. So last weekend was a, uh, a bit anticlimactic, but it was kind of... It, it was kind of nice to see in some ways the uh, an, an actual hard course, although I kind of thought uh, Sunday was a little bit much in terms of pin placement where every pin was four feet off the hole or four feet off the green and uh, right behind a bunker. <laughs> right, yeah. B- basically. Was brutal. Like, I, I enjoyed the fact that they didn't water, really. I saw that they were watering just enough to keep the guys alive. And then we're going to just let them dry out after that. And that was obvious. And then I saw the pin placement that morning and I was like, there's no way more than like a handful of people shoot even or under par. And then a handful of people shot even or under par. And it was, it was, wild. it was, it was fun to watch, right? Like I, I would much prefer watching that every week than guys go, you know, 20, 21, 22 under, but we're not, we're obviously not going to get that. I don't think, you know, the PGA Tour guys would like it very much if they had to go out and, and struggle and look like that on a weekend, week-out basis. Yeah, it's definitely, especially in contrast to how the, how it's been, uh, where it's been a, a birdie fest. But, but you know, I think I think some it, it was a good mix last weekend uh, for, the, for the tournament. John Rahm won going away despite the two-stroke penalty for grounding his club on the chipped birdie uh, that, that he made on 16. And, yeah, he, yeah, he moved the ball on sixteen when he when he put his club down, and saw Finau collapse. Shoot a, a six over. I mean, we saw some really wild scores even before the weekend started. So, but Finau all was like, what was he twelve under? Yeah, going into uh, twelve on Saturday. So, so in the last twenty four holes, he played ten over par or something like that, which is just absurd. Yep. And then saw the usual Patrick Reed shoot up the leaderboard on the final day. And I think he, he, he went up 19 spots by shooting one under uh, when it didn't matter. Right. And uh, yeah, so it was, it, it was a good tournament. It was fun. It was, you know, it was, there was, the, I mean, there was just so many big names that were not a factor. It was ultimately very surprising given the stacked field. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I mean, this was definitely the strongest field we've had since the comeback. Maybe Charles Schwab, the first tournament, was a little bit more stacked. But, I mean, this was a, this was major pricing in DK. This was, like, major betting odds. If you compare, you know, like, Rory or JT or whoever it was, you know, this year compared to, like, US Open or Masters, the most recent numbers. So, I mean, the field was stacked. We didn't have great performances from everybody. We had DJ shoot back-to-back 80s. More, a lot of guys made the cut on the number. Roy McIlroy looked at times like he was going to get glowing and make a push, and then he'd make you know a triple or something like that. Brooks made the cut on the number and then looked awful on the weekend. So it was it was a it was a wild tournament. I guess the most impressive performance for for me 
was probably Ryan Palmer after his, you know, dead last finish the weekend before at the workday. Came back and shot, like, a really steady... I think he finished with minus seven or something like that to finish his solo second place. So that was a, a pretty impressive performance from Ryan Palmer, who apparently just, like, realized he was closing the club face too much on, on contact and had worked with the coach on it and came back, and he was now the second best player instead of, you know, the dead last guy. So it was, it was just a really fun and, and interesting show that you know golf is about little tweaks for these guys most things are pretty consistent for them but they can make a little tweak and change a lot of things from weekend to weekend yeah and he really grinded on sunday i mean at yeah. one point you know i thought that uh rom had left the door open before that chip in on 16 for because you know on 17 and 18 anyone can make a double uh right. so uh you know he would have been right there otherwise yeah so I, it was definitely a very very solid performance from palmer uh, on Sunday and obviously throughout the tournament as well. Yeah, so let's get it to get into it for this weekend. I guess uh, we'll we'll start with our club up, club down section, and then go on to the course in TPC. TPC Twin Cities. Twin Cities. Twin Cities. Twin Cities. I was thinking Great Lakes, but I was like, I know that's not right. And so, uh, all right. So we both had uh, in the club up section. We both had Norlander, who has gained eleven. 4.54, 6.12 strokes over his last three weeks, um, including 8.43 strokes gained putting last weekend. Harris English, uh, we both had him as well, back on track. Uh, he's now finished 13th, 17th. He had one 100th finish, but then he has a top 20, 9, 17, 16 in his last eight tournaments and has gained no less than 6.31 strokes and once. Uh, only once in that span and hasn't gained more than I think like two or two and a half strokes putting so it's not yeah. like he's just crushing it with the putter and then Lucas Glover has gained 3.37 strokes over his last five tourneys he's turning in some great great performances so some guys that are definitely really hot I also just wanted to give a small shout out to Luke List who is literally added on I think Tuesday uh, last week and finishes T10. Yeah I, I agree with you on on Norlander all four of his last Four tournaments have been top 41 finishes, plus 70-plus fantasy points. He was, you know, T6 last week off the back of not completely screwing up on Sunday like everybody else did. But he did have his best putting performance uh, in his young career on the PGA Tour, like you mentioned, which was really impressive. So um, his ball striking is always really, really solid. We generally view him as a poor putter, so it'll be interesting to see if maybe he's figured something out there or, or if he's just kind of on a hot streak. Harris English looks to be back at the, at the form he was at the beginning of the year. Like you said, he's he's back to a top 10, top 20 machine. He he was in some weird situations. He was playing in solo groups because he has like, continued to test positive for COVID-19. He was one of the players that tested positive earlier, so he had to take a couple weeks off. So he was playing in like solo groups on Saturday. And I feel like we're just a matter of time away from one of these guys being in contention that's like healthy and not at risk for transmitting the disease but we have to watch like you know a, a penultimate group on Sunday be a single because they they've been continuously testing positive for for covid and I think that would be a pretty interesting spectacle to watch uh, where <laughs> where where we differ is our last guy put Richie Warinsky down here he's made he had made four cuts going into the break and he's made his cut in all four of his appearances coming out of it and, and scored at least 76 fantasy points in three of his four starts so he's kind of somebody that if you if you're looking for some value down at the the bottom of 
of your rosters right now. He's somebody who's making cuts for you and scoring pretty well. And I guess we're giving shout-outs in this section now. We, we did fail to mention in our tournament recap that John Rahm's like the fourth or fifth youngest player of all time now to to hold world number one ranking, which is pretty impressive for that guy. He's and, been a stud. He's been a stud in his 32 career perform- or starts on the PGA Tour. And the first, uh, and what, the first since, first Spaniard since uh, Sebi? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. so. Pretty impressive stuff. And then in the club down section, um, you know, I have Dustin Johnson. Uh, not really because I don't really think last week is, is a performance that that we obviously expect from him or I don't think it's telling in any sort of career trajectory or anything like that. I just I just don't know what to make of him. I mean, he lost 13 strokes last week, and that's really hard to do. Uh, I just I just don't know where his head head's at. I don't know. It was just a very strange performance last weekend from him overall. Emiliano Grillo, which I know is, some people are going to like, is a cheap option here because he's only 7,100, and he's been pretty much like that range for whenever the tournaments are more stacked. Um, but he's lost strokes in every tournament since uh, the reboot, but the Rocket, Rocket Mortgage, and has lost three or more strokes putting in four of seven weeks. And then Matthew Neesmith, who finished, uh, who made the cut in his first two as a really cheap guy, and then he's lost 2.59, 4.61, and 5.94 strokes over his last three tournaments with three straight 100 finishes, or he finished in 100th place. So I don't, you know, it seemed like he was figuring something out. And then starting with the tournament down in uh, Hilton Head, he has since lost it. I figured he might be someone I was looking at. I was like, oh, maybe this would be the tournament he'll break out. But I just uh, I just think he's in a bad spot right now. And I don't think I'll be playing him. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on DJ and the club down. Not Again, not that I think it impacts Dustin Johnson in any way, shape, or form. I think he forgot about those 280s from the time he, he left Mirfield Village. Uh, I just am not quite sure what to make of him right now. Like you, you don't, he, he was the worst golfer on the on the on the course last week. So I, I don't know what to make of him coming into this week, being the most expensive player on on DraftKings and in betting markets. So he's a really interesting look, especially. I mean, he just looked like he belonged like out at the local muni with us, like hacking away. That's basically what his performance looked like last week. He couldn't hit a fairway. He couldn't hit a green. He couldn't make a putt. It was it was just really weird to watch from somebody as talented as Dustin Johnson. And then grouped in with him, I have Brooks Kepka. I know Brooks made the cut last week, but he tried as hard as he possibly could to not make the cut. He continuously says that his knee isn't 100% healthy, and he's playing in his third tournament in three straight weeks. And, and I just don't understand why he's doing that right now. He doesn't need to be here. Maybe it's because Chase is playing. He got the sponsor exemption. They wanted to play together. I, I'm not really sure, but I, I don't even know why Brooks is playing in this tournament. And then I have two other guys grouped together, uh, Harold Varner and Cam Champ, because they're a similar price range. You kind of get similar things out of these guys. It's, it's back-to-back miscuts at both tournaments at Mirfield Village for them. And they've both been pretty solid all season, making cuts, playing relatively well. Uh, Varner's lost three strokes in two of his last four rounds in approach, and Cam Champ has lost strokes approach in five out of his last six. Uh, they're both off this week, which is probably good for them because they clearly have some stuff to figure out. Uh, they clearly have some work to do, so so I'm going to throw them uh, in my list as well, even though they're not playing this weekend. Well, we'll get started with this weekend. Take us out to TPC Twin Cities. What kind of course are we looking at? Yeah, we finally get to escape the hole of deep rough and, and firm greens at Mirafield Village. And as, a, as fun as it was to watch those guys actually have a course that matched their talents, it cost me DFS-wise with everybody's sort of uh, pitfalls on Sunday. So 
I'm ready to get out of there. I'm, I'm pretty frustrated with Mirfield right now. Uh, this week we're like like we said we're headed to Twin Cities. Uh, returning to the site of Matt Wolf's uh, victory last year, where he eagled after Bryson DeChambeau eagled to beat him, and Morikawa almost eagled to force a playoff. His his slipped out. It was I, I just saw those putts yesterday in a video or something like that, and I Morikawa should have gone in. TPC Twin Cities is a par 71 that'll play around 7,500 yards. Um, so it's it's getting longer, but it will decrease in difficulty. It ranked first in birdies yielded last year and seventh in eagles yielded last year. The course also yields about 75 greens in regulation with over 300 yards off the tee. I think guys averaged 303 and a half last year and a fairway accuracy rate of about 66%. So I think we're going to be expecting some fireworks. Very low scores. I think Matt Wolf was a minus 20 here last year in the tournament's first go-round. So we're going to be needing everyone to make the cut if you want to have a really solid DFS lineup this week. And I think that cut line we can most likely expect to be somewhere around minus four. Uh, the weather doesn't seem too bad. Thursday and Friday, a little bit of wind. Uh, and then we get some rain apparently moving into the area on Saturday right now as far as the forecast is concerned, which could really soften the greens for Sunday and, and have some extremely low winning scores. Uh, for stats this week... I didn't factor in last year's as much because it was the first tournament. I don't want to. I don't want to go on a lack of information. You know, like when we go somewhere like Mirfield, we have years and years of data to pull from to to kind of match what we see year in and year out. But we only have one one year of data for for TPC Twin Cities. So I kind of just went off what in general I think is important uh, and and what fits the course's style. So first, strokes gained approach. While I'm not using last year, all the top 20 finishers finished positive strokes gained approach, and the top five all gained at least five strokes. So I think, you know, regardless of what course you go to, you have to hit the ball well to give yourself birdie opportunities. And the data shows it from last year. So I think that's important to look at. We want strokes gained off the tee. This is, you know, a course with generous fairways, not as, you know, penal rough. So... We want guys that are going to be playing well off the tee. We're going to be able to bomb the ball. So I'm also going to be looking at driving distance and, and kind of like splitting what I'm looking at strokes gained off the tee and adding driving distance to that. We also need people that can make birdies. Fabian Gomez finished 13th last year and didn't shoot above a 68 all week. So birdie or better percentage is going to be huge because you're going to have to go low to win here. And then... From the same sort of thing I did last week, which was looking at long par fours, I want to look at something that's going to separate guys from the rest of the pack, a place where we can separate ourselves in, in DFS and betting, potentially. It's going to be scoring on long par fours again, after because after viewing that data, I found stat-wise, Rom increased his standing by seven spots, Palmer 14 spots, Matt Wallace 7 spots, Jason Day 25 spots, Mackenzie Hughes 12, Norlander 8, Finau 8. Reed stayed even and List stayed 19. So only three players in the top 10 out of 13 players that finished high 10 or better dropped spots in that stat. So if you look again this week, the hardest place to score this week is going to be the long par fours. So I think we're on to something here, and I'm going to add it in my model again just to make sure we're capturing something that can set us apart. Also, Dustin Johnson, who finished dead last, went from 21st to 85th in that metric. So I do think you know, finding the places that are hardest to score at a course and, and targeting those are going to be something I'm going to be doing moving forward because after two tournaments, they has kind of told me it works. So uh, from what I'm looking at here, it looks like three, only three of the par fours are outside of the 400 to 450 range, two of them being shorter, one of them being longer. So 
you know, I think, you know, that 400 to 450 range is going to be pretty ideal uh, for us. And then it looks like all three par fives are in between 550 and 600. So yeah. those are the those are the two ranges I'm focusing on. In addition to what you're doing, I'm also factoring in putting. Um, every person that uh, that finished high last year was positive in strokes gained putting. Hovland was the only person in the top 13 who finished with uh, negative strokes gained putting. So I'm going to look at that as well. So I think you need someone who has the ability to putt well to finish high in this tournament because of it, it, you talked about the the green size a little bit. The greens are so big here that the around the around the green game isn't going to be so important. So we just need people who are pretty solid in putting. Yeah, I mean, if you want to finish top ten in a tournament, the easiest way to do it is to gain like four to five strokes on the greens in any one of these tournaments. It doesn't matter which one you do it, and if you can do that, you're going to finish at least top ten, unless you just have a completely abysmal ball striking round. So the 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 secret, I guess, is figuring out the guy. Who can do it because putting is so volatile from round to round, weekend to weekend. So it's kind of a, it's a tough metric to to lock down, but it definitely is an important one if you can pick the guys that are going to have good putting weekends. Absolutely. So getting into it this weekend, I think we'll we'll do a little differently this weekend, just given the the scoring or not the scoring the pricing. Uh, we'll do ninety five hundred and up. And then 8,000, 9,500, and 7,000 to 800. And then if you have anyone in the 6,000 range, we can uh, kind of do that, run through those pretty quickly. So this weekend, we have six guys that fit into this range, or seven guys, I'm sorry, which would be Dustin Johnson at 11.5, Kepka 11.2, Finau 10.9, Fleetwood 10.5, Casey 10.1, Bubba at 9.9, and Matthew Wolf, the reigning champion, at 9.7. Who's your, who's your favorite of this group? And who are you going to fade out of this group? Based on what I put into my model, it spit out Finau and Paul Casey. I'm pretty inclined to agree. Finau was phenomenal until the last 24 holes last week. And I was hoping, you know, I've seen some estimated ownership numbers. And I was hoping people would be fading him a little bit this week due to recency bias. But I think the other names at the top of the list just aren't nearly as interesting as Finau. He's a monster off the tee and approach, which are two places I think you have to be great here. So I'm going to be playing some Finau. I also like Paul Casey, despite the fact that he's not a great putter. The whole calendar year for Paul Casey only has three rounds where he didn't gain strokes off the tee and four where he didn't gain strokes approach. And he missed the cut on the number last week with an eight on a par three because he was blading shots around the green. Outside of that, he was phenomenal. So I'm going to be looking to Paul Casey. Again, I, I was hoping more people would be off him because he missed the cut, but I think Kepka and Johnson have just been so bad that, that we don't get that luxury this week. He's top 10 in strokes gained off the tee and approach, and, and I think he is, a, is out of you know the, the guy's 10,000 plus, he's the least expensive guy. So I like Paul Casey, who I don't like. I mean, my, my, my guy I'm just not going to play is Brooks. There's, there's just no way I'm going to play him. He's the second highest priced guy, and he... He's been atrocious this year. He's had one good finish. He's priced, you know, solely on name and the fact that is Brooks Kepka and has some decent history and, and there's nobody else to I'm not not big on 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 Brooks this weekend at all. I'm not gonna be playing him. Yeah, that's completely fair. I think Brooks is definitely the obvious choice to fade here, but I think I'm actually gonna have to go against you on the Casey thing. I think his putting is so bad that I, I just I just don't do not think he has a chance to gain strokes putting. And yeah, I, I, 
I definitely think as far as like maybe our agreement this week is disagreement. Sorry, disagreements this week are all going to be based around the fact that you're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I like a lot of guys who you probably haven't seen gain strokes putting in like four or five rounds, and or tournaments even maybe. And I I, I just don't know that I'm going to focus on that because I think anybody can get hot with the putter any given weekend, even if they're consistently bad at putting. It's just a very volatile stat. So yeah, I think, I think we're going to be having that conversation or, or you're going to be seeing that a lot going through this yeah, pod today. Yeah, that's just like a preference in how we approach things. But I think uh, I, my play here is definitely Finau, who gains strokes across the board and approach and off the tee and had, you know, putted out of his mind last week where he gained six strokes putting, but I don't think that is a, I don't think he's going to do that this weekend, obviously, because it's really tough to gain that many strokes putting continuously, but it seems like the putting is something that he's really worked on, um, and he's really put in the work on his short game in general, and so I have faith and confidence yep. that he is going to continue to, is going to continue that uh, moving forward. I think this is the type of tournament Tony Finau can win even if he gains like a half a stroke putting because his ball striking is just so phenomenal. Right. And, you know, we always talk about it. This is the type of tournament Tony Finau should win. This is the type of tournament Tony Finau should win. So I'm expecting big things from Tony Finau. He also ranks first in uh, par 5 efficiency, 550 to 600. And he's 66th in... 400 to 450, which isn't great, but it, as a pro, actually in this group, I think that would be like top 15 because there's so many guys that are just not playing this weekend. That would actually right. not be a terrible uh, number. So, um, so I'm looking at Tony Finau as my uh, as my favorite play out of this group. And definitely no Brooks this week for you. Definitely no Brooks, but I but for the sake of being different, I, I will go with Casey as the other person I'm not going to play. Also, just the fact that K, Casey's so highly owned. Yeah. That's a that's that is one I didn't expect and it was a little disappointing to me. I thought he'd be a a, a good pivot on top of thinking he's going to play well this week. Uh, that is unfortunate. The other like big name guy that's that's making his debut this week, and I think it's because he wanted to get to America before the WGC next weekend is Tommy Fleetwood. He's going to be relatively highly owned, but I think it's name and and an unknown commodity coming in. I don't. Like this is not the type of tournament that Tommy Fleetwood competes for a win in, right? He is he is an incredibly consistent golfer who, when the course is tough, conditions are tough, big names are in the tournament, generally competes and plays well. Think like the Open last year or something like that, right? But in places where you need to make a ton of birdies because the winning score is going to be minus 20, minus 21, like Tommy Fleetwood just generally isn't in contention there because he's a guy that plays tough courses really, really well. He's not a guy that goes out and makes a ton of birdies. So there's another name I'm just not playing, which is unfortunate because I really like Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's a good golfer, right. great iron player, but I'm just not going to be playing him this week. He's like the Jason Day, where he he, he his birdie to bo- bogey avoidance like ratio is great. Uh, he just right. doesn't have a great birdie or better percentage, and he just struggles to really go low when everyone else is also going low. Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I definitely agree. Is there any like who do you think is the best value? Is it Finau for you? I mean, straight value-wise, I think Casey is a good value. I just, because he's probably the, he's like, he's the fifth most expensive guy, but he has the best, I mean, he's by far the best approach the green guy of that group. So that makes me think that he probably is the best value. I mean, I don't think Casey's unreasonably priced. I just, 
uh, it's just I want someone that I think has a little better chance at winning, even if they're variant. Like I think Finau's variance is much higher. Like I have no doubt that Casey's going to make the cut, but I just think when you're paying up for someone, you really you really need them to have like a really good shot at winning, and I'm just not sure that Casey provides that. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. The, the, see, I think the best value out of this group, and I'm going to go away from the guys that I like the most, is Bubba Watson. He's a guy that I would never pay $9,900 for in a normal tournament. Prefer like Somebody's got to be $9,900, and it, I guess for me it would probably be Matt Wolf, who we haven't discussed even though he's last year's winner. But you know, Bubba Watson gained eight strokes with his iron last week. We all know what he can do off the tee. And he was really solid in both those categories last week. He just uncharacteristically lost strokes putting, which he's done a few times this year, but ultimately is a positive putter. And he's also the lowest owned out of all of these guys. Matt Wolf may no, Matt Wolf's higher owned too. So I think Bubba Watson is an interesting pivot if you want somebody who I think has some high upside because I don't expect him to lose strokes putting again this week. He's he's generally okay at it. Uh, but if, if his ball striking stays hot, which we know he's he's good with you know at least the driver consistently and he's gained a gain strokes with his irons this year uh, i think bubba watson is an interesting pivot if you want to try and target the lower owned lower price type of thing yeah i think for sure i i don't i don't mind bubba play i don't mind the bubble play i think to me it was just kind of more of a pricing ownership projection sort of thing it's just like where I was ending up whenever I would choose Bubba, I would end up choosing other guys that were also going to, that were going to be highly owned that basically took out the, like the difference in ownership projection from Finau to, to Watson. And so for me, gotcha. it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it just wasn't fitting right because Finau's projected at 20%, Watson's at 14 and you're like, oh, that's good. But then you end up playing guys like Glover, English, Van Roy, and Redmond who are all over 21% you end up playing more of those guys. And so I was like, well, is the difference really, you know, is the difference really that much? And I think that, you know, I, I mean, you just think Finau's, it was, it was the same thing as last week. And we were talking, you were talking to me when I was talking between Rom and Matsuyama and you're like, well, would you choose Rom or Matsuyama in a blanket statement? Well, it's like, I would choose Rom. <laughs> and so right. <laughs> the same thing this weekend. I, I, it's like, there's no need to be cute, I guess. Um, you, can, okay. you can differentiate yourself uh, elsewhere. Well, you're also planning to do a single lineup, right? So yeah. if you're doing a single lineup, you like you have to have yes. Well, if you want to play side, you have to have the winner, and so you got to start your your lineup with who you think is going to win. Yeah, I would definitely play Bubba if I was playing 20 entries for sure, and I would try to even put Bubba and Finau together or something, and, and do like a really crazy lineup like that, uh, and try to find some value at the bottom because in these tournaments, there's just a greater chance of someone really random winning as opposed to, you know, uh, with a whole bunch of good guys uh, that are at the top or, you know, the top, when the top 20 players are at a tournament, it's just really hard for someone that's like the 100th ranked player to win. Sure. All right, you want to drop down yes. in, uh, we'll do, in, our, in our pricing points a little bit yes, here? Yes, we'll do 8,000 so, 8, to, to 9,500. Yeah, so we have some... I think some still... this, is the, this is the part where I think people are going to win or lose the tournament. I 100% agree with you. So we have the... The five, no, four, four most popular players, uh, Glover, English, Van Ruyen, Redmond, uh, all at over 21%. And then Henley, Norlander, Burns, List, Rogers, Moore, Homa, and Harmon. So I, I just, there's one person that I'm going to avoid that I, out of this group that I, I don't like that's of the most popular people. And I think you're like I know that you're going to disagree with me about it. So it'll be fun. But that is Van Royen. 
why why are you choosing to to just I, he's my favorite non big name guy to win the tournament this week so I, I, so at the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, it, it seems good. But he, his putting has just been so bad. I just don't think that he can putt well enough to, to compete to win. Same with Glover, honestly. The person I had the most faith in uh, turning it around a little bit is Doc Redman. Although, because his ball striking is just so ridiculously good. But, but you know, I, I don't know. All those guys are very interesting. They all provide different things. But, you know... Some of it is a percentage play, just trying to fade and get some leverage on the tournament. And some of it is looking at how they've fared putting in the last few rounds. And just a lot of these guys are just not very good at putting. So I, my, my reason I'm high on Van Royen is because he's kind of a boomer bust type guy. So far in the PGA Tournament career, he's going to miss a cut or he's going to finish like top 25. And I want that sort of high upside from the space because I think this is going to be where you win the tournament. Other reason I'm high on Van Royen is he's, an inc- he's incredibly long off the tee. I think he hits it like 325 in a place where you can bomb it. The worst part of his game is accuracy off the tee. He's like bottom 50 in that or something like that on tour. But I just don't think that matters as much this week. And and of all the guys that we've been talking about, like, you know, Doc Redman's just a bad putter. I know Norlander putted well last week, but he's a bad putter. Max Holma, bad putter. You know, all these guys are just not good putters outside of basically Harris English. And so Van Royen is the one guy that does generally put the ball okay. He's just kind of more on a cold streak. So we definitely heavily disagree on Van Royen because he's my favorite to win the tournament outside of the the top-ranked players. The guy I'm going to avoid is Brendan Todd because he's still on the list for some reason, even though he's out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I I think this is I, I definitely agree with you. This is where you're gonna win, win or lose the tournament. I think Harris English is a great play. He's gaining strokes all across the board. He's my he's, he's also my favorite play. Highly owned. He's my favorite play. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I like him. Eric Van Ruyen is probably my favorite play, but I, I love Harris English. Uh, my least favorite play, the guy I'm gonna actually avoid out of this place is is Russell Henley. He just doesn't make enough birdies to give you any win equity in the space compared to the rest of these guys. His birdie or better rates, like he's 150th on tour. He's just, it's just not someone you can take that's going to win you a tournament. Hey, Lucas Glover's fine. He's been great since the restart. Doc Redmond struggled a lot last week, but his ball striking was still really superb. I guess the other guy I'm going to avoid out of this group is, is, is Norlander. I just don't think his putter is as good as it was. And I, I think you're, you're the one that likes to say this a lot, that it, you got to hop off of guys that aren't that great hot streaks at some point, right? And And... Or you got to hop on guys that are, are good golfers when they're playing poorly. And I, I did that with John Rahm last week, and I'm going to be hopping off Norlander this week. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I, I, know what you're, I, I know what you're saying here with, with Norlander, but he's someone that's finished. I mean, his last, let's pull this up real quick. His last few tournaments, he's gained 6.1, 4.54, and 11.73. And then in the Rocket Mortgage, he didn't gain strokes putting, but the last two tournaments he has gained strokes putting. So he's been extremely hot with the putter. He's consistently gaining strokes on approach, and he has only lost strokes off the tee once in his last five tournaments. I mean, I just think that I, I think he's, I think he's definitely got. To me, he's got both the fair amount of safe value as well as the the ability to t- post a high score value if that may in my opinion yeah he's 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 shown you the capability to get hot with the putter 
in in combination with solid ball striking, which is which is what you want in in your the way you're looking this week. So I, yeah, I I mean he's he's been incredibly hot the last four tournaments. I mean he was in my club up section, so I'm not gonna fault anybody that does play him. I just think for me this is the time to jump off Norlander. I think I think we're kind of running out of the the magic juice with the flat stick. Gotcha. What do you make of Luke List? So he's gained strokes and everything, but putting. I, I, it's, he's not really someone that I considered, but the more I look at him, he seems a little more intriguing than I suspected. And he's one, you know, he's not amazingly uh, high owned either. Let's see, he's gained strokes off the tee, which is obviously what he does, and he's lost strokes on approach only twice in his last seven tournaments. And he just is terrible with the putter. Uh, I mean, it seems like something yeah, I mean, that may fit your profile. Yeah, I think I just probably like other guys around here more. Like I'd rather play Max Holman, who fits a similar profile than List does for four thousand dollars cheaper. But yeah, I mean he's playing really well. You can't really uh, fault anybody that decides to go with List. He had a win on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he had a solid finish last week, maybe top ten. I'm not a million percent sure on that, but yeah, he played really solid last week. So I'm not I'm not gonna fault anybody that wants to to look in his direction. I think that would be uh, a solid pivot from what other people are doing. If he is as low owned as as you know his projections currently show him right now, yep. what are your thoughts on Cousin Burns this week? Because I, I think <laughs> this is a course he can really take advantage of. And I I think my thought is that if he hadn't flamed out Sunday at the workday, he would be eighty eight eighty nine hundred instead of eighty five hundred. Because his 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 iron play, we we already know his off the tee game is going to be there. That's what he does. But his iron play was phenomenal those three weeks and he just kind of lost track of it on Sunday. So I kind of like Burns this week. Yeah. So it's just that whenever he's bad on approach, like he's bad on approach. So he's been fairly inconsistent with the short game approach. He gained 4.82 at the workday, lost a little bit at rocket mortgage, 1.34 gained 1.34 travelers lost five and a half at the RBC heritage. And then a couple turns before the break, he lost 8.31 at the Honda classic. So I think he's just too inconsistent. You can go with guys that are safer, especially at 19% owned. I mean, I think that's wild. I was like... That is a high number for Burns. I was surprised by that one. I mean, I thought his price was high. And to see him, I was like, man, no one's going to play him because he's so high. <laughs> the price that I was just way off. So I, I'm, I'm, he's definitely someone that I am not going to play. And Patrick Rogers. Okay. Patrick Rogers is my easy fade on this in this list. Patrick Rogers is such an interesting thing. He was the number one amateur in the world when Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth were still amateurs, and he like has talent, but it just hasn't come to fruition, unfortunately, for him yet. I I can't. I am really surprised Max Holma is only priced at eight thousand dollars. I think a lot of it is recency bias from his Friday, which admittedly was terrible, and we were both very very mad at him. Uh, but his his Thursday was was incredible. He's top like fifty five this season in in strokes gained approach and strokes gained off the tee, and and a you know projected thirteen percent owned, which is pretty low for anybody in his price range, and for the talent I think he possesses, I think Max Holma is a, a really good play this week, despite the fact that he can't putt. Well, see, here's the thing, and I, and and this makes some sense to me, and I think that he. He fits the profile of someone that's an ideal like breakout candidate in a lot of ways. So even whenever he's been off, like bad off the tee, he's only lost a little bit of strokes, and he's only lost a little bit of strokes gained on approach whenever he's been bad on the approach shots. So that's good. So that means like 
you know, in my opinion, that's like low variance. That's like solid performances basically throughout. And his putting has been, has been what's bad. He's lost strokes in six straight tournaments, but then he gained strokes in the six tournaments prior. So it just seems like he's streaky, and I just don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Hopefully, it's money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I like Homa. I like Homa in this range. I think thirteen percent is a touch high um, for both him, uh, for him, and what. I don't know. Straka is like also high in this range. So there are people that are, that you may like people like your pivot from Homa would be Harmon, and Harmon has just been so bad recently, despite having right. globally good stats. That I I get it, um, but I, I don't I don't mind Homa for sure. All right, let's drop down another range. Yeah, and let's do the the seven thousand range. So this is you got to make your top guys have to have a chance to win. Your middle guys have to you know be solid. They can't be missing the cut. And these are the guys that, like, you need one of these guys to go out and finish top five. And, you know, this is what we're trying to guide people to do. So who is, let's say, let's have two or three guys from this range. Do you think that can do that? So let's start with the guy that finished top five last year. I'm pretty uh, high on Carlos Ortiz this week. He grades out relatively highly in my model. He's a little bit errant off the tee, but he is relatively long. But he, he gains strokes across the board, so... And any has the familiarity of the course played well here last year. So I like Carlos Ortiz. He's coming off back-to-back cuts and pretty on a, on a really tough course and a pretty tough field. I don't know that I, I love him, but Carlos Ortiz is my guy that can go out and finish top five. There are probably two other guys that I would I would say can, can go top five here. Dylan Fratelli, just because he has the talent. He's shown us that when he strikes the ball well, he's pretty solid everywhere else. And, and his his three miscuts since the break are pretty misleading. One of them was an early withdrawal due to a positive COVID test, and I think he was one under after the first round at RBC. Or no, RBC was his top ten. It was maybe Travelers where he tested positive and had to... But it was after one round, so it looks like a miscut, but he actually decided to withdraw while one under because of COVID. My other guy in this range that I think has major talent go out and finish top five, and I think this is probably the best gonna stick by this the best win equity in the tournament at this price point and i think the best value down here is burn weisberger i was kind of looking into him a little bit then i watched rick Rungood's i don't know what his actual name is little preview and he was thinking the same way i was weisberger is the 29th ranked player in the world finished third in the race to dubai last year behind only tommy fleetwood and john rom the number one player in the world and a 10,500 price guy this week he won three times on the European Tour last year, and generally he plays in only in WGCs in America. So I think we get a guy with incredible talent in the weakest field he's ever played in in America with a lo- even lower price because he missed the cut last weekend. And I think there is a ton of win equity and upside, high upside performance for Bern Weisberger this week that I think, and he's low owned. He's only like 4% owned projected right now. So I think it's a great play. Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, I don't mind that at all. In fact, I may end up switching over here. But there's a couple guys that I like also in addition to Weisberger in that particular range. Uh, the first guy is uh, Charlie Hoffman, who kind of fits my model, where he's gaining strokes approach, he's gaining strokes off the tee, and he's gaining strokes putting, and he's been doing that consistently over the last three weeks. Uh, I, I, I mean, he's won at big tournaments before, so I think you know he has some win equity 
I do find it hard to, I think he's more safer than he does with the win equity, but nonetheless, I think he's a fair play here. And then my, my guy that I think actually has win equity here, and that's also just has the, the talent, is Christopher Ventura. His stats don't look great, but he has gain strokes putting, you know, that's, that's exactly what he does, but he's also... Uh, very high, uh, very high ranking in both the par five efficiency, 550 to 600, and the 400 to 450 range. So, despite the fact, so he's 29th in the par four, 400, 400 to 450, and he 73rd in the par five efficiency. But, but he also ranks, I think he's second in the field in birdie or better percentage, or third. Okay. Uh, so. I think that he has. I think the, that's a very important stat this week too. Yeah, so I think he has the ability to go low, and also he was. Whenever I, I've heard this story before, but when people, uh, whenever Oklahoma State ended up going and getting uh, Victor Hovland, they were actually going to scout Christopher Ventura because he was the more highly ranked golfer uh, coming into college uh, than Victor Hovland from Norway, and so he obviously has the talent to do well. I would, and he's, I would say that based on that stat profile, that's a really interesting bet for first-round leader. Yeah, yep. And so he's finished, and then he's finished 20th at the Rocket Mortgage, and then he's been in the Corn Ferry Tour where he's finished 8th, 48th, and 4th. So he's been playing some good golf. I'm, I think he has the ability to win here. But I may, uh, I may go with Weisberger uh, over him, but I, I do like him as a play. Yeah, I definitely. I you've you've talked me into Ventura since I'm going to be doing some twenty line a twenty lineup that I'll definitely play some Ventura in in some of my lineups. Is there anyone you like once we get below seven hundred? Are there any names that you think have any value? Because for the most part, I think we can sprinkle. You know, we play one one big guy and then sprinkle around in the middle because there are a lot of names we like there. We think that's where the tournament's won or lost. But I do think there's a potential, like you said, to play a Finau and a Bubba. And if we do that, we do have to get pretty low somewhere. So is there anybody down low you like? Uh, the two guys that really stuck out to me, and they're not crazy low, were uh, Tadley, which I know you want to talk about, so I'll let you do that, and Hudson Swafford, who's really played well since the reboot here. The only thing with him is he's a little... Not, he's not very accurate off the tee, but he does grade fairly decently in the in and everything else he's t74 in the 400 to 500 450 par 4s he's 36th in the 550 to 600 par 5s and earlier better i feel like he was pretty decent here too so i you know so for me that's that i, I like him uh, a good amount but you know Again, you're going to be giving up something with all of these guys at the bottom because A, this is a weak field, and B, that's just how it is whenever you get to the bottom. And I'm more willing to sacrifice the off-the-tee game um, as opposed to some of the other some of the other things down here. So yeah. that that's kind of like the type of person I'm looking for. Good approach, can go low. Maybe they're inaccurate off-the-tee, but that's okay. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at Hadley because he's a really solid ball striker. And I think it's it's weird that his price didn't jump with everybody else's. He's made three or four cuts since they've come back. The only one he missed was because of bad ball striking. But generally, he's a really good ball striker. So I, I expect him to make the cut and make a top 20 run at 6,900 price points. So I think there's value there. I think that there's no win equity whatsoever, but... You know, Stuart Sink has made a bunch of cuts since we've come back. He's actually made 11 out of 13 this year. 
and he's priced at 6600 and then I think the one other guy that I find interesting down here, and it's just because in these bad fields on courses that yield really low scores, he quote-unquote pops. Like, there's not much win equity, but he like tends to finish like top 10, top 15, top 20 in these tournaments is Fabian Gomez. Uh, down at 6,300. He's missed a lot of cuts in a row. Well, actually made the cut at Rocket Mortgage, finished 30th, but he has a top 10 here in the first tournament, top 10 this season in the first tournament that Brendan Todd won. And he finished 13th here last last year. So if you need to go really, really low to round out a lineup, I would look to Fabian Gomez. Well, how do you feel about our boy M. Johnson Wagner? He kind of fits. He kind of fits a little bit of the profile where fit oh, that I that I think will be successful down here, where he's yeah, a I good mean, approach, I mean, good off, uh, it, good putting. Yeah, M. Johnson made his last cut, which was big. He finished fifty third. Uh, I think he's a really really solid iron player, solid putter. So if, if you're if you're looking to sacrifice something like you, know, you said off the tees, where you're willing to 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 sacrifice to look for you know, better performance in other areas, I think M. Johnson Wagner is. Uh, a fine candidate, friend of the podcast, M. Johnson Wagner, is a, uh, a a fine candidate to to pivot to down there if you need need some price help. Yep. Also, he finished twenty third here last year, so he does have some uh, he, yeah, some course success. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at that particular stat last week, just trying to find any advantage, and I got really giddy about it because I'm hoping for a win this week. Yeah. Anything else uh, that stands out to you overall here? No, I, I, I think that that's a, a really solid start for DFS. So do we want to do, a, we'll do one alternating shot lineup for the, the sake of brevity, and I'll let you take the first pick this week. Okay, well, I'll, I'll start with Fino. That is uh, definitely who I would uh, play. Okay, I'm going to play, because I want him in our lineup, uh, Vern Weisberger. All right, and then I will go... I will go with Ventura because I think he's my favorite, like uh, lower price pay. And this way, so we're starting off here, and we only have about twenty-eight percentish on the on the ownership. So you know, this is a good a good lineup to start getting some leverage too. Okay. Well, I think we have an opportunity to build to two pretty solid mid mid tier price guys. So I'm between. Ortiz and Homer right now. I think I'm going to go with Max Homer for our next pick. Yeah, I think... Okay, 8,300 8, for, for the next two guys. Yeah, I was looking at Ortiz's stats, and he's been consistently average. He hasn't really popped right. in anything particular. So I, I do like the Homer play there. Oh, well, then I'm going to go Harris English. So that leaves $7,600. Almost got to Ortiz for you. Almost got to Ortiz for me. Yeah, I think I'm I'm between two guys here. I'm between Dylan Fratelli, who's fine. I don't really trust him all that much, and Richie Warinsky, who has basically made eight straight cuts. I believe uh, he plays par fours, or he's made all all every cut since we've been back, and he plays long par fours at top twenty on tour. So I think I take uh, Warinsky here. All right, so I'm going to take this lineup and actually play it, except for I'm subbing out Orinsky for Charlie Hoffman. Interesting. I don't hate it. I like that lineup a yeah, lot, I, actually. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, whoever you're subbing at, like, 74, 7,500, I think in general is all the same. I think there's, like, you know, Fratelli probably has higher upside because he has the higher talent level. Same with Charlie Hoffman, who's kind of been at the top one tournaments and that sort of stuff before. Um, yeah, I, I like this lineup a lot. 
I'm not going to lock it into my my millionaire maker entry, which I currently have open, but I, I definitely would think about this. I mean, I, uh, you know, I want, I want the, I want everyone to be able to follow along as we play. So, and root and have, have a common rooting interest. Wow. I feel, I feel, uh, a lot of pressure having just given you 33% of your single entry lineup for the week, but it is what it is. Let's, let's move on to, uh, to traditional betting. I feel like I always talk you into garbage on the podcast, so that's fine anyways. Uh, traditional betting. Uh, I was looking at some of the numbers this week. Uh, definitely some stuff that I like. Uh, the only of the top numbers that I like to win is Finau. All the top guys except for DJ are 14-1. to 1, Brooks, Fleetwood, and Finau. And then DJ is 11-1, which I think Finau, if I was the book, would be my favorite. Definitely grades out highest in my model. So I like getting him at a, a number that is lower, better than DJ and, and the same as Brooks and Fleetwood for sure. I like uh, the Bubba 33-1. to 1. I have Bubba thirty three to one down. I think he's he's the type of guy that can just super pop in a tournament. I think Lucas Glover's twenty eight to one is interesting. Van Royen's thirty three to one is interesting. The other numbers I have written down are Holma fifty to one, uh, Ortiz sixty to one. Where is Burned Weisberger? Because he's eighty. His, he's, yeah, he's eighty. Warinsky is eighty, and then somebody who I think has the top end talent. And I guess this is somebody down in your the lower price point for your lineups. I have Danny Lee written down at one fifty to one. He gave Justin Thomas a run for his money at the CJ Cup earlier this year. He's a guy that when he strikes the ball well, he can get really hot with the putter. So I also have Danny Lee one fifty to one written down. That's fair. That's all I really got for the uh, for the top for the for the winner. Some other bets that I like, just kind of I'll just kind of throw them all out there in the top ten. Um, I like. You know Charlie Hoffman at fifty-five to one. I love Harris English at three to one to finish in the top ten. That might be my favorite play. Uh, yeah, I have Harris. Yeah, I have that down. And it's kind of interesting. You know, Weisberger's eight to one in the top ten. You can give me. I, I will be uh, taking you up on that one um, for in, <laughs> in particular. And then, you know, I think Paul Casey being even in the top twenty, I think is to me that seems safe. Like, I don't know a world in which Tom, Paul Casey doesn't finish in the top 20. I know I said that about Webb last weekend. But, uh, I, I, I mean, I think, to me, Paul Casey was the, had the, low, the highest floor of all the, the top guys. And he's only the fifth highest betting odds in the, for the top 20. So I, I like Casey a lot there. Yeah, I like Casey in the top 10. He's 2.25 to 1. I think that's a solid place. Yeah, I feel I feel like he's not his win equity isn't as high as, as as a lot of the guys around him, but I do feel like he's a top 10 guy this week. Harris English, like he said 3 to 1. Uh, I like Doc Redman 5.5 to 1 here. This is where Chesson Hadley at 11 to 1 I think is a really great number and I think just because he has a tendency to pop in these sorts of tournaments, uh Fabian Gomez 16 to 1 is a really interesting number for me top 10. Finau is the guy I think, like, I just don't see a world where he doesn't finish top 20. So I really like Tony Finau this week. Although minus 160 is a pretty hefty number. I might pivot to, like, Harris English at plus 130 or Paul Casey at even. Doc Redman's 2.75 to 1. Holman Ortiz are 3 to 1. Rowinski, Warinski is 3.35. Uh, Tringale, who is somebody who kind of popped early in the year in weaker fields, is 4.5 to 1. 
Uh, Chesson Hadley five to one, Gomez seven and a half to one, M. Johnson Wagner nine to one, and then somebody who we didn't talk about but has shown the ability to finish highly every now and then, and, and I found a really high number on is Bo Hostler at eleven to one. Okay, and it's in the same kind of vein as your Bo Hostler one, uh, I will uh, submit uh, Josh Teeter at seven and a half to one. He's like okay. he's a good birdie or better guy. Um, not typically good, but has the ability to go low uh, if everything's clicking. Not someone I would uh, put in the lineup, though. I think he's far too uh, risky for that. Right, right. Especially, I, like I said, I think this week we need all six. If you want to have a high finish in your, in your, on your any of your lineups, you're going to have to go six for six. It's not going to be like last week where, you know, guys that are totaling 35% owned from the top of the top of the heap don't make the cut or, or make it on the number right it's going to be very different this week yep um so who's your who's your uh mickelson play for the week harris english okay a lot of harris english for you uh, i guess just uh for the sake of the fact that we disagree on him so much mine's gonna be paul casey i'm playing him a lot uh he'll be you know ahead in my you know, 20 entries will probably be the, the most expensive guy in at least six of my lineups, give or take. So um, I'll be making at least a top 10 bet on him. So definitely going to be Paul Casey for me. Uh, who are you absolutely fading this week? Kepka. Okay. Same. Kepka for me and Norlander uh, as well. And then who's just kind of drawing you in a little bit lower-owned guy that you think is going to play really, really well? Ventura. Yeah, mine's. Uh, I know Max Holman's a little bit higher owned for the price point, but he's only twelve or thirteen percent owned. So Holma and uh, Bern Weisberger are going to be there for me. Yep. You got anything else you want to throw in before we sign off here? No, um, no, I don't think so. You know, you know, these are the type of tournaments we actually did really well on last year, and so I'm hoping that uh, that we can really hone in on on these smaller tournaments and produce some good results for everybody. Yeah, I would say we were kind of a Fabian Gomez where we kind of popped in these smaller, <laughs> lower-name tournaments, had some real success. And so I'm hope- I am I think we've still seen some success with the bigger names, but it's kind of been more gradual. You know, I ha- haven't really, like, popped for any plus $1,000 weekends in any of the, you know, higher-level or higher-talent tournaments so far. So hoping for some similar success this week. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the last weekend we kind of get to, you know, have fun with and go, oh, well, I don't really know because, you know, the talent level is not there before we get into the meat of the, the PGA season, which is also the end of it. So <laughs> pretty excited. Yep. Uh, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, if you want to interact with the show or either of us, you can find the show on Twitter at InTheBagCast, Slaughter at Slaughter, and myself at James Paul 4 you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it, we got it. We'd really appreciate it if you give us a listen, a doubt, which I guess you've already done since you're listening to my outro here, my sign-off. Uh, but since you've given us the listen, I'd really appreciate. we'd really appreciate if you could also give us you know, a review or a rating or something like that to go a long way in, in helping us be more visible on these sites. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Happy investing this weekend. And we hope you'll tune in again next week so we can make sure you have the right clubs in the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.